Today is Wednesday, September the 7th, 2022, and it's a great day to have a day here on the Spurs Up show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the internet. On today's show, we first start with Shane Beamer's game week presser as I look at everything the Gamecocks head coach had to say ahead of this weekend's game against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Also, guys, on that note, we're talking gambling here on this Wednesday as I give my best bet for South Carolina, Arkansas, as well as SEC gambling picks for the full week two slate. Also, guys we have a fantastic conversation Chris Doring of SEC Network joined me he was on the call for the Gamecock season opener against Georgia State we talked that and also look ahead to the beginning of SEC play guys we've got a jam-packed show for you here on this Wednesday and of course as always it's brought to you by our friends over at Red Fox Roofing. Guys, Red Fox Roofing is a family-owned and operated residential roofing company born and raised in the Carolinas. They're proud South Carolina Gamecock fans servicing the local Columbia, Charleston, and most of the surrounding areas. They offer free inspections for storm damage, free same-day estimates for full roof replacements, and roof certifications for people getting ready to sell their homes. Also, they know how important shingle quality is when it comes to your roof. That's why they use Atlas Shingles, which is the only shingle manufacturer on the market who's partnered with three and has a scotch guard protection on their shingle. They offer a lifetime algae-resistant warranty that your roof will never have those ugly black streaks from algae buildup. And when it comes to the best possible pricing, they've got you covered there as well. Red Fox Roofing is willing to beat any written estimate and allows financing as well. They service every home as if it was theirs, and their attention to detail and customer service is truly what sets them apart. Simply put, guys, they always leave it better than they found it. Give them a call today at 843-364-3023. That's 843-364-3023 for all of your roofing needs. You can also find them on Facebook at Red Fox Roofing, or if you have any questions, go to their website at Red We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed foxroof.com that's redfoxroof.com be sure to check them out and tell them chris from the spurs up show sent you let's get it
presents boys and girls happy wednesday happy hump day hope you're all doing well i'm chris phillips your host of the spurs up show as always and we have got a packed show for you here on this wednesday i hope this show does find you well no matter where you are what you are doing and i tell you guys it's this time of year that you really see on social media i know you guys see it and probably experience it firsthand you know when we talk baseball we talk basketball there's always a lot of good debates and banter and all that good stuff and and you guys stay interactive on social media but i tell you football season just hits different i mean i feel like on a day in day out basis when it's the week of an sec game or it's just game week with counter football you can cut the tension with a knife i mean you look at any facebook group you look at twitter you look at instagram comments what have you i mean it is a madhouse but i will say it's great for business because again the beauty's in the banter and it means the banter is at an all-time high again i appreciate y'all always keeping it fun always keeping it entertaining um and again if we always agreed on everything how boring would that be right i mean truly truly how boring but always never take it to a personal level keep it sports related but again we always have fun and i tell you what let me also say this on that note shout out to you guys all those who are tuning into the Daily Crow on a daily basis. And, I mean, it is wild to – I was talking to somebody about this yesterday – to see the growth and the evolution of the Daily Crow. I recall a time not too long ago, we might have 40 to 50 people tuning in live on a daily basis. Guys, we are sitting right now – we're sitting around 200 people. And that's not 200 total views now. That's 200 live viewers is what we are averaging. So I tell you what, man, I want to say thank you all so much. The comments have been crazy in regards to just the sheer amount of comments coming in. It's almost getting hard to keep up with the comments. And again, I just want to say thank you all so much, man. It's just been, it's been awesome to see the way that business has evolved, content has evolved, the podcast, the Daily Crow, of course, the merchandise side of things. And uh, like I said, man, I cannot say thank you enough. On that note, guys, really quickly, just one quick reminder, and then we'll dive into everything. Of course, this weekend, all my upstate Gamecocks, my Greenville Gamecocks, we will have our first watch party of the 2022 football season. As We will be at Carolina Alehouse in downtown Greenville for the Gamecocks game against Arkansas. Guys, would love to see you out there. Doors open at 11. Kickoff is at noon. I will have towels and koozies on hand for sale at the event. Again, guys, we did this last year. It was a massive success. Of course, we just finished up the TSUS tour over the summer, so cannot wait. I know my upstate Gamecocks, my Greenville Gamecocks, y'all always show up and show out, so I'm expecting a really, really big turnout from you all again. And what a great game, you know, because last year, obviously, we did our watch party in Greenville for the East Carolina game, which was a big game, don't get me wrong. But obviously, when you're talking SEC play, what's on the line in Fayetteville with this game against Arkansas, it's a little bit of a different animal. I'm sure you would all agree. So again, really excited. This Saturday, kickoff at noon Eastern. Doors open at 11. I will be there at 11 setting up. Would love to see you guys come on out. They've got drink specials, food specials as well. You tell them you're with TSUS, by the way, and you get 10% off your entire order. So again, guys, this Saturday, Carolina Alehouse, downtown Greenville, all my upstate Gamecocks, Greenville Gamecocks, come on out. Going to be one hell of a time. Let's watch the Gamecocks, hopefully, fingers crossed, get a big W over the Hogs, and we'll celebrate it all day long 
after the fact. That being said, let's go ahead and dive into everything, guys. Of course, Shane Beamer yesterday speaking to the media. Just wanted to go through and give you my quick Tuesday presser takeaways as we do every single Wednesday. Um, maybe the biggest takeaways come from yet another injury report as Shane Beamer updating uh, the transfer wide receiver from Arkansas State, and you know this was a game when you think about that that he really wanted to play in. Corey Rucker, though, is, quote, very doubtful for this game, guys. It's sounding more and more like the report that we heard in the preseason was indeed accurate, that he has some issues with his foot, might be out four to five weeks, and it unfortunately might be something that could linger and he might miss this entire season. Again, that is speculation, that is rumor, but it most certainly sounds like he's at minimum going to miss this football game as well. Also, guys, Ja'Kai Moore, the offensive lineman, and defensive back R.J. Roderick are questionable. Um, I would expect probably both of them to go, especially R.J. Roderick. Beamer just said they were awaiting uh, more details in regards to his pain tolerance and if he could go. I would think Roderick will go. You have to think if he cannot play that the freshman Nick Eamon-Worry, after a fantastic season opener, will fill in for him. But I think Roderick will play. Uh, a lot of you asked about the carry-on joiner, guys. It was a calf injury that held him out of the season opener. I would imagine Shane Beamer did not address it. I would imagine Dak Joyner is good to go. I think a lot of the reason, unfortunately, guys, Dak Joyner didn't play is there just wasn't really an opportunity to get him in the game. I, I just, unfortunately, guys, again, I think Dak Joyner is sort of a positionless player. Um, he's not an elite wide receiver. He's not a quarterback. He's just sort of an athlete. And I know some of you are scratching your head and saying, Chris, how could that be possible after the Dukes Mayo Bowl? But I just kind of think that's where they're at right now. I mean, also, again, the calf injury affected him. But we'll see if he goes this weekend. Um you know, obviously you could use all the weapons you can find and and certainly the big the big topic of conversation, which we'll talk about on Friday, we preview this game and break it all down and everything, is getting the offense going. So again, any other weapons you could add would be a big plus. On that note, Shane Beamer, I mean, nothing really crazy coming from coach. Uh, said the morale is high within the locker room. Of course, we saw the Marshawn Lloyd tweet, the Spencer Rattler tweet regarding the offensive line play and sticking up for their guys and Shane Beamer just echoing that morale's really high. Everyone's really confident. He also spoke on Arkansas and what type of football team they are. Said they're a big physical team, guys. Nothing we really didn't know. Was also very complimentary of K.J. Jefferson. Talked about his experiences. You know, Shane Beamer was on the coaching staff back in 2007, which unfortunately, I hate to remind everyone, that was the Darren McFadden game. We basically sparked his Heisman campaign, if you will. Um, but nothing really... I would say, again, groundbreaking from Shane Beamer. I think it was pretty much par for the course, standard as usual. And again, we will dive into much more South Carolina, Arkansas talk on Friday as I break down the game, give you guys key matchups, keys to the game, and of course, lock in my lead pipe lock of the week prediction as well. Guys, speaking of locks, let's move off the Tuesday presser and into gambling. Because of course, it's Wednesday and we're talking best bet SEC gambling picks. First, let's start with the best bet for the game this weekend in Fayetteville as the Gamecocks travel to Arkansas for their SEC opener. The line movement in this one has been really, really interesting. Arkansas opened up as an 11.5-point favorite. That number then plummeted. The money poured in on South Carolina, bringing it down to 7.5. Money comes back in on Arkansas. That number now sits at the Razorbacks as an 8.5-point favorite. The over-under set at the 53 total. Uh, but again, a lot of interesting line moving. And again, that total opened up, I believe, yep, at 52.5. So not a ton of movement there, a little bit of money on the over, but nothing crazy. Gamecocks also plus 266 
on the money line. So if you're feeling really confident, you think South Carolina is going to win this football game plus 266, 100 to win $266. Not a bad little trade-off there. There is some value in the Gamecocks. When you're looking at this game, locking in the best bet, I first look at that spread, right, and a lot of movement. You see three or four points. That is a significant amount of movement. And I I will say, I thought the spread was going to open at that 11, 11 and a half, 12 number. So it wasn't surprising to me to see that. I think the money pouring in on South Carolina and this number sitting at eight and a half, it's Vegas telling us this. Number one, they were not overly impressed by what the Razorbacks did last week against Cincinnati. Number two, they looked at the Gamecocks and feel like South Carolina will make a major jump from week one to week two, which I think both points are very fair. Now, what's an interesting uh, interesting sort of thing to follow in this one? Arkansas dealing with some injuries on their side, right? We're talking about a secondary that was already torn up against Cincinnati. They might be out two or three key players in the back end of their defense. Then you look on the Gamecock side, Spencer Rattler, what can he do in the passing game? You know, I, I saw this game, guys, in the preseason as a toss-up, Right. Um, I, I didn't love the matchup up front in the trenches. I will get into my prediction and all those all those key matchups on Friday, but I'm not going to touch the spread in this one. I think it's a lot of strange movement. Um, I, I think there's still so much unpredictability on both sides. I don't think we really know who these teams are yet, and Saturday is going to give us a real indication of uh, of just what they are. Again, week one's a total crapshoot because you don't have any preseason scrimmages or any preseason games or anything like that, so you never know what you're going to get. And how much did both of these teams improve from week one to week two? I don't want to play the guessing game where I feel secure and I feel confident in this one is yet again for the second straight week in the total and for the second straight week in the under guys the under 53 i think is the play and here is the reason why yet again for the second straight week there is going to be a premium on the run game right south carolina is going to have to pick their poison when it comes to kj jefferson you're either going to lock in on the pass or you're going to lock in the run but you got to make him one-dimensional i think the gamecocks secondary most likely they look like the same old same old last week which is a strength i think they'll carry that over this weekend i think arkansas is going to focus on their bread and butter which again is that big physical offensive line, four or five starters back. They're going to run the football. That's going to make a running clock in this game. And guys, I think South Carolina, again, I'm not trying to spoil a prediction for Friday. The Gamecocks will improve from week one to week two. Arkansas will most likely improve from week one to week two. I don't see any sort of offensive explosion coming really from either side in this football game. I think the under 53, I think this is a lower scoring game. I don't see this being any sort of shootout in Fayetteville. Lock me in, guys, for the best bet. South Carolina, Arkansas, give me the under 53 in this one. Feel really, really confident on that total. Um, Again, I just think because of the the focus on the run game, clock will be running. I don't see this being a very high-scoring affair and Fayetteville. So again, guys, that's my best bet for South Carolina, Arkansas, under 53. Would love to hear your thoughts on it. What do you like? What play do you like in this ball game upcoming on Saturday? All right, let's move into a packed SEC slate, guys. Our gambling picks for week two. And first things first, we got to look back at week one, right? And how I fared. And I got to be honest, yours truly did not get off 
to a hot start. Seven and eight, counting week zero, week zero, and week one combined. Uh, missed on La Tech, Ole Miss, Vandy, Auburn, Miami, Ohio, Utah, Memphis, LSU. A mixed bag. But I'll tell you what. Here's the good news, right? Here's the good news, okay? Last year, I started last season 12-2 and two in the opening weekend and went below 500 for the rest of the year to finish barely at 500. So maybe it's a good thing that I don't hit my peak too early, right? Don't get off to too hot of a start. Uh, you know, the, the the tortoise beats the hare, if you will, in the long run in the race. So maybe it's okay, right? We're just hovering around 500, but we are set for a big week this week. And of course, guys, as always, before we go any further, our SEC gambling picks, since we're talking gambling, are brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. Guys, go down with the Prize Picks app, go to prizepicks.com. And when you sign up, use the promo code TSUS to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Guys, Prize Picks is the simplest fantasy game on the market focused around prop total entries. Here's how it works you pick two to five players, you can win up to 10 times. On any entry, Price Picks has no sharks, optimizers, or mass multi entry guys. It's literally just you against the projection. Price Picks allows mixed sport entry. So, for example, you can take the over on Rattler parlay with the under on Mahomes parlay with the over on LeBron. You can play MLB, NHL, NBA, and of course, college sports, which is why we love it so much. Price Picks also has a slick, easy to use mobile app, both on the App Store and Google Play, and they're rated 4.8 stars in the App Store with Rave. Reviews. Guys, let's break the bookie this football season. I know you love playing lines. You love playing futures. You love playing totals. Man, there's a lot of value and a lot of money to be won in this prop play stuff. So go sign up today with our friends at Price Picks. Download the Price Picks app. Go to pricepicks.com. And when you do, use that promo code TSUS at sign up to receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And again, we appreciate our friends over at Price Picks for their love and support of the Spurs Up show. Okay, let's dive into my picks for this weekend. And again, guys, it is a packed slate of SEC games. We'll start first. Wake Forest traveling to Vandy. The undefeated Vanderbilt Commodores sitting at 2-0. Wake is an 8.5-point favorite. But guys, as I'm speaking, Wake Forest quarterback, I think it's Sam Hartman, just announced he will return for this football game. Hammer Wake Forest minus 8.5 immediately the 23rd ranked demon deacons have their quarterback back listen i love vandy i love clark lee what they're doing but that cinderella story ends this weekend wake forest will win and win big moving to austin texas the alabama crimson tide take on the texas longhorns and i tell you what when you look at the history of these two programs right and you look at the storylines the fan support, the fan bases, right? The rich traditions uh, that you might think to yourself is going to be a great game. I, I don't see it. Alabama is going to run all over Texas. 20 and a half is not enough. Give me the Alabama Crimson Tide to cover that number, number Bama minus 20 and a half. Let's move to Kansas State and Mizzou. The Missouri Tigers on the road are an eight and a half point underdog in this one. I think Mizzou's a fraud. I don't think Mizzou is very good. I like Kansas State on their home field. Listen, I know the SEC was dominant last week. I'm just simply not a believer in Mizzou. Give me Kansas State to cover the eight-and-a-half-point spread. Here's a really interesting game. Texas A&M in College Station taking on Appalachian State, guys. Texas A&M is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. The Aggies 
did not look good last week. Call it what it is, but they were only up 10 to nothing on Sam Houston um, early in that, or excuse me, later in that ball game, like 10 minutes left to go in the second quarter uh, or, or coming close to halftime. Either way, we saw what Appalachian State did on their home field, almost beating UNC. I think App State actually hangs in there and gives Texas A&M a good game. App State is never a team you want to play. It's just, it's it's not a good move. It's not a good game to schedule. App State plays the Aggies close on their home field. A&M, of course, does get the win. But I like App State plus the 17 and a half. Tennessee traveling to Pittsburgh. This is a top 25 matchup. The 17th ranked Pittsburgh Panthers taking on the 24th ranked Tennessee Volunteers. UT is a seven and a half point favorite in this one. I know my, our guy Dalton, he loves Pittsburgh. He think he thinks Pitt's going to win outright. I think Tennessee's a good football team. Hendon Hooker goes off. They cover the seven and a half. Georgia taking on Sanford and Athens. The Dogs coming off a 49-3 to butt whooping of the Oregon Ducks. Uh, Georgia is a 52-and-a-half point favorite in this one. Listen, I got Sanford covering, and here's the reason. A lot of emotion for Georgia in that first game. I doubt they even play their starters past, like, the first quarter. Certainly not halftime, but 52-and-a-half, guys, is so much. I think Sanford will cover that number. It's always tricky in these games, these big spreads. But 52-and-a-half, I mean, that just feels like a ridiculous number. Give me Sanford to cover. Ole Miss taking on Central Arkansas. Not a lot to say here. Ole Miss, hottie, toddy, gosh almighty, 34-and-a-half ain't enough. They will go up and down the field on these boys. Maybe the game of the weekend in the SEC, Florida hosting the 20th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. How about this? Gators, after a big win over Utah, they are a a four-and-a-half-point favorite. You know what happens, guys, after an unranked team pulls an upset over a top-ten team? Guess what happens? They're overvalued. I like Kentucky on the road. They get the job done. Cats plus four-and-a-half in the swamp, even if they don't win. I think it's a close game. I think they'll cover that number. LSU taking on Southern. LSU a 47.5 point favorite. I like Southern to cover 47.5. I know LSU is going to want to make a statement, but uh, I I don't know, man. I just think 47.5 is way, way too much. Auburn hosting San Jose State on their home field. They're a 23.5 point favorite. I like the Tigers to cover. No conversation needed there. I think they just just run away with it. 23.5 is not enough. And then finally, Mississippi State goes to the West Coast to take on the Arizona Wildcats. State is a 10-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they will throw the ball all over the yard. Mike Leach wants to make a happy return back to the West Coast. They will score and score a lot, score in bunches. Mississippi State will cover the 10-and-a-half. So, guys, that's all of my SEC gambling picks as we try to improve on my 7-8 and eight overall record. I got a good feeling about these picks. I really do. Again, I'm kind of glad we didn't have a huge week in week one, because I tell you, that did not help me out last year. I think I got overconfident. I really do. So I think having, you know, just right at kind of like a 500 week, I think it's like, all right, just humbles you a little bit. Hey, it's all about the long haul. It's, it's, it's not about winning early. It's about winning over the course of the season. I feel good about this week. I really do. Uh, anyways, guys, love to hear your thoughts on the SEC gambling picks. The best bet for South Carolina, Arkansas, as well as everything Shane Beamer had to say on Tuesday. Any feedback, any commentary you guys have would love to hear it. Again, in the meantime, guys, stay tuned to the Daily Crow every single day, noon to two on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Content bleeding out the eyeballs and really excited on the Friday podcast and throughout the rest of this week to really start diving into that game this weekend in Fayetteville against Arkansas and breaking down the Gamecocks' chances against 
the Razorbacks. Guys, do not go anywhere, by the way. I'm done, but the show's not over. Chris Doring of SEC Network joined me yet again. You might recall it was almost a year ago to the date he joined me because he was on the call for the game one of the Shane Beamer era as the Gamecocks took down EIU. If you did not realize... He was on the call this past weekend for the South Carolina Georgia State game. So really, really cool getting his perspective on everything from Spencer Rattler, the offense, the overall outlook for South Carolina, uh, year two of the Beamer era, the overall outlook of the SEC, really good stuff, and appreciate him taking the time. Again, guys, thank you all so much for tuning in. Stay tuned to all of the content, and we thank you all so much for your love and support. Guys, again, appreciate you all tuning in. Thank you all so much. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. And enjoy this conversation with Chris Doring of SEC Network. All right, guys, joining us in the Spurs Up show. Very excited. He joins us once again almost a year to the date because, once again, he was on the call for the Gamecocks season opener. Gamecocks taking down Georgia State by a final score of 35-14 to 14 Saturday night at Williams-Brice Stadium. Of course, I'm talking SEC Network analyst Chris Doring. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, man. It is a pleasure to have you on once again, my friend. How are you? Yeah, good to be back with you. I feel like uh, we got a little bit of a rapport now after having done this, <laughs> as you mentioned, last year. But what, what a difference a year makes. And you and I kind of talked about that before we got started. Like, I think there was just cautious optimism last year, and, and this year, I think everybody realizes that this is a team that that is is being built the right way, and uh, a difference in openers too. The the talent that they faced in Georgia State, I thought was going to present a much greater challenge and, and take them to a four quarter ball game, but two of the three phases played really well and, and made it a 21 point game where they were able to kind of cruise into the finish line. Hmm. Now, Chris, we're going to start on a little bit of a different note because my audience would, uh, I'd have a lot of folks kicking and screaming if I didn't ask you this, but okay. uh, what's the reception been like from SEC fan bases for your love of Kentucky? Cause I know my fan base, <laughs> they were like, Oh, you're getting Chris Doring on. You got to ask him, why is he picking Kentucky to go 11 and one? I was like, well, I don't know. I'll just ask him. So yeah, hey, it, I, I know you've been getting a lot of shots from people for, uh, for giving love to the cats. I get shots from my own <laughs> fan base here. It's, it's hard enough to get criticism from other fan bases yeah. in the SEC, but when it's Gator fans calling you out, like I'll put yeah. my Gator resume up against anybody's <laughs> in terms of the fandom for my entire life. And I hope that people see, you know, yeah. when I pick against Florida, Obviously, I, I try to be unbiased when I'm talking every fan base, but you know how it is. Everybody thinks that you hate their school for whatever reason. <laughs> I love this conference. I love every school yeah. in this conference. And I'll, I'll, as we did this weekend, cheer for each and every one of them when they're yeah. playing out of conference opponents. But I don't know, man. I, I really respect Mark Stoops. We're talking about a guy that's the second longest tenured coach in the SEC, a guy that, much like what I think Shane Beamer's doing, is, is building a program, taking a vision and, and executing it with, with great detail. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that what I've seen in talent across the board there is much different than what it was when I was going there in the early years of his tenure. I think that that staff does a great job of developing and doing more with less. And now they're finally starting to get some talent that's you know, a little bit higher in the four stars. And every once in a while, I'll get the five star guy. So I love Will Levis. I have a lot of respect for him. And I, maybe I got carried away a little bit in the moment. You know, I certainly I, I think you look at the schedule, Chris, though. This team should at least win nine games. I mean, it's it's a very favorable schedule for them. And um, although after watching the way their offensive line played on on Saturday night, I, I do have some some uh, reservations about it. But I think there's everybody knows in the first game, you know, you're going to see some things that you kind of got to work on. And everybody seems to have a big jump and improvement from week one to week two. 
Yeah, there's definitely question marks all across the SEC when it comes to, you know, week one and what people saw from the team. And it's it's so funny, like, hearing the different like, – the conversations around each SEC team. And no fan base is satisfied, I feel like. I mean, I was just listening right before we jumped on. Texas A&M, I think, beat Sam Houston like 31 to nothing. But their fans are just, I mean, going yeah. ballistic because it was 10 nothing late in the second quarter. It's just like when you're playing, I feel like some a lot of times those smaller teams, it's like – there's been so much hype and excitement and expectation. Like you can't win by enough. You know it's, what I mean? It like, sucks. Right? <laughs> you just can't. It's like it's like it's like gambling, right? When, when you're at the blackjack table and you, you hit blackjack, you're you're mad you didn't bet more. Right, and right. When you lose, you're like, oh man, what was I doing? So unfortunately, there's very little satisfaction these days yeah. when it comes to expectations in, in the SEC. But yeah. I don't remember a year, Chris, that more teams have more optimistic outlooks than what we have this year. And that includes Vanderbilt. I mean, what they've done in the first two weeks has been exciting. I don't know of anybody, maybe LSU after last night, who's had to kind of reevaluate what they think is possible. But the other teams, yeah. I think they've they've seen you know a, a, a bump in what they think is possible heading into this year. Yeah, Chris, I definitely want to touch on that with you, and we will really quickly. I mean, it feels like the SEC is just loaded. I mean, top to bottom, and certainly there are going to be some teams this year, like every year, that don't have the type of season they're hoping for. But I would I would venture to say, and I guess this is the case most every year, but you put that bottom third of the SEC teams up against anybody else, I I mean, I think they'd fare pretty well. And again, you saw that over the weekend, SEC went 13-1, and and LSU, if they – they knew how to kick an extra point, not muff a punt. You know, we'd probably be talking about 14 and 0. So, I mean, yeah. the SEC is just insanely loaded this year. It, it is. And it's such an important, it's so funny the dynamic of college football because the first two weeks of the season when you're having out of conference games is something that builds a reputation that's going to mean a lot when you get to late October and early November as you get into talking college football playoff teams. So, it is important that you make hay right now. I thought the SEC fared very well. Uh, disappointing. Uh, finish last night after getting 13 and 0 uh, throughout Thursday through Saturday but yeah. I do think that um this is it, it scares me a little bit Chris that this could be a situation where we have some cannibalism in the league because of how good everybody is yeah. from top to bottom and with the current setup of only having four playoff spots you know what does that look like if teams do end up beating up one another more than usual Chris, let's get to this game. Obviously, Saturday night in Columbia, you were on the call. Gamecocks taking on Georgia State, game one of year two of Shane Beamer. Before we get into the actual on-field play, talk about the atmosphere. Obviously, a lot of new upgrades to Williams-Brice Stadium, the ribbon boards, the LED lights. It was a sold-out crowd, a packed house. I was there, and I can tell you it was absolutely electric. Uh, Just talk about your takeaways from Gamecock walk, obviously leading up to the game, and obviously experiencing that atmosphere, uh, atmosphere itself. Logistically, you know, I, I was thinking back to last year when I was able to get to the stadium much easier. I drove down from Charlotte again and I probably should have allocated a little bit more time than what I did because of the, the traffic around the stadium. I get to the truck and then I can't get across where Gamecock Walk is about to take place because of how many people showed up to see the team. And I think a lot of that has to do with, with Spencer Rattler. I mean, I think mm-hmm. there's this fascination with him and what he can bring, the legitimacy that that he lends to this program, choosing this as his landing spot out of the transfer portal. So a lot of, lot of reason to be optimistic. I love the environment there. I've always loved that. I loved playing there as a, as a player at Florida. 2001 Space Odyssey is one of my favorite traditions in college football, but you throw in Sandstorm now and at night with the LED lights, I, I could not get enough video of that as it was uh, <laughs> taking place after dark, man. Yeah, for sure. We'll start on that offensive side, Chris, because as I mentioned earlier, you know, what's so interesting with with each with each and every SEC team and certainly South Carolina, you know, falls in that category. I left Williams-Brice Stadium after a 21-point victory 
with a feeling of longing for more. And yeah. it was because of the performance on the offensive side, right? 79 yards rushing, Spencer Rattler, one touchdown, but two interceptions. It never really seemed to click at all on Saturday night. But just talk about your overall impressions. And, and I think the, the the toughest thing for Gamecock fans to live with is that that offensive line was a deficiency a season ago. It was talked about all preseason long. I mean, for months on months, and now you get to kick off. And it looks like it might be the problem again. I know you talk game one and game one jitters, but yeah. for a group that had 129 career starts returning, it felt like an underwhelming performance, even with a bunch of new pieces trying to figure it out. Just your overall takeaways on the offense as a whole, and then we can get specifically into the play of Spencer Rattler. I think it goes back to kind of what you've always talked about when you're you're talking about football. You're only as good as your offensive line. I mean, you can bring one of the greatest quarterbacks in the of recent history in the SEC or in, in college football, and he's going to be somewhat negated if you can't protect him. I thought Spencer Rattler was on the run much of the night trying to make plays. And credit to him, his athleticism got him out of some trouble multiple times. But I think that's probably part of the, the frustration when you can't set your feet and throw at some point in time, you're going to force something just because you want to make a play downfield. And that, that's what happened mm -hmm. on that little bootleg. He yeah. had the, the receiver in the flat forced the, the comeback just because I think he was trying to make a play. But at the end of the day, it scares me because the one thing that we saw, as you mentioned last year, that was an uh, inconsistency for this team was the, the, the play of the offensive line. Yeah, I go back to Texas A&M, couldn't run the ball at all. Florida, they run it for 284 yards, and the next week against Missouri, can't run it again. So is this a year where you were hoping to have some balance with the passing game and still retain the ability to run a little more consistently? But I am very scared for, for South Carolina's offense because of what I saw. Not only did they they get beat, but just didn't seem like they were well coordinated as a unit. They didn't seem like they were playing together uh, very well. And and Georgia State, we talked to their coaching staff early in the week. They felt like their advantage was their quickness and their aggressiveness and shooting gaps. So they certainly did some things that I think you know challenged the the uh, the athleticism of of uh, the offensive line for South Carolina. But you you know this when we get into SEC play. If you can't hold up up front, it's going to be a long year, and I'm, I'm worried for this offense. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk, Chris, specifically Spencer Rattler, because I think one of the saving graces of that game on Saturday night was, like you mentioned, his athleticism. And yeah. I tell you what, it's been a long time since we at South Carolina have seen a quarterback make throws on the run like he made Saturday night. Yeah. I mean, he made some some beautiful passes, that one to Jalen Brooks, the long throw, uh, the fantastic catch, uh, a couple of times on the out route to Antoine Wells. But just talk about his game, what you see from him specifically, and what type of year. Again, a lot of it's going to be dependent on that offensive line, but just the type of player you could see him being for the Gamecocks. First and foremost, I want to go back to, you know, all of these things that you've heard about Spencer Rattler over the years, even dating back to coming out of high school and what you think – you know about a guy and I'm not sure what he was before, but getting a chance to meet him on Friday was everything opposite of what I expected. Very humble, very thoughtful. And maybe he has just been humbled in general. Maybe things when you go through a situation like this, maybe it gives you a little dose of reality. So I think he's very grateful for having this opportunity to kind of start fresh. I think he's got a great rapport with the coaching staff. Obviously that was part of what brought him to, to South Carolina was, you know, Shane Beamer and the type of, authentic person he is and so i am excited uh, about what can be done with him if you can protect him but he 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 probably should have been sacked six seven times i mean it, he, he right. made plays when there weren't plays to be made there i like it best actually i would have liked to have seen a little bit more movement set getting him outside breaking contain 
I think he's very comfortable throwing the ball on the run. Uh, and I think he, it also keeps the defense for a little bit more honest when you're moving the launch point too. So yeah. I, I would like to see that incorporate a little bit more than what we saw, but uh, all in all, I mean, the guy's got a fantastic arm. The guy's got great composure. Doesn't seem to get rattled despite being under pressure a lot. So yeah. I'm anxious to see what can happen if they can make some improvement up front to give them a little bit more balance running the ball and to provide a little bit more uh, protection of the pocket. Now, Chris, what does make me optimistic is this. If, and it's a big if, the offensive line can get it figured out. And I would just say, Chris, just be average. Yeah. I, just, just be average. Just don't be an eyesore. I think there are enough weapons on that side to get the job done. I thought Marshawn Lloyd looked healthy. Yeah. Antoine Wells on the outside. You know, Josh Van didn't have his best game, but he'll bounce back. We saw what he did last year. Jaheim Bell's just a do-it-all guy, kind of a Swiss Army knife. Austin Stogner, who came from Oklahoma, buddies with Spencer Rattler. And then there's more. Just talk about what you saw. Hey, Juju McDowell, also in the running yeah. back room, want to give him his respect. What you saw from the offensive side in regards to those weapons that Spencer Rattler has at his disposal. I value your opinion very much because you're there much more than I am, but I don't know that I remember a South Carolina offense that has had this many weapons on it in a long, long time. And uh, it'll be fun to see how they're utilized this year. Uh, I think maybe my most uh, entertaining player to, to kind of watch is Jaheim Bell, you know, the athleticism that he has. The coaches talked to us about how much more he knows about the offense this year and how much more comfortable they are putting even more on him. And so you look at – I thought Satterfield was joking when he said they were going to get him 10 to 15 touches out of the backfield, but it certainly mm. looked like they're comfortable doing that. Um, I, I just love what you can do with he and Stogner, you know, with a 12 personnel being able to, to make it look like, you know, 11 or even 10 personnel with where you line up those guys. It's a matchup issue there. Mm. Um, I'm glad you mentioned Jalen Brooks earlier because that's a story that I was really excited to see him come back and contribute as much as, as he was able to contribute on, on Saturday. Juice Wells, I was a little anxious to see after he was talking trash and not even playing a game in the SEC yet what that would look like, but I thought he delivered, and, and uh, from all reports that I know about, people that have seen him and James Madison think he's a big-time player that's going to help here this year. Mm -hmm. So I I'm excited about the pass catchers. And then the running backs, what a great accumulation of, of talent. And, and seeing Marshawn Lloyd healthy, he I just thought he did a good job of being really patient, letting things kind of sift out in front of him, uh, hit the holes when it, hard when he had to, and Marcus Satterfield has challenged him to be more physical in the way that he's run the ball. I saw that from him, but saw a lot more quickness too. Get, it got to the edge a, a couple times when it looked like he wasn't going to be able to to break contain. So I'm really excited about the one-two punch that he and Juju McDowell bring. Mm. Now, Chris, let's move to the defensive side of the football because obviously that was a strength last year for South Carolina, and certainly the Gamecocks overachieved with a unit that came in not a lot of high expectations. I mean, we were talking about a unit in 2020 that was historically bad, and Clayton yeah. White, Torian Gray, Jimmy Lindsay, that entire coaching staff on that defensive side did a fantastic job. And I feel like we saw kind of more of the same from them. You know, early on in the game, Georgia State, of course, was going to get their yards. Yeah. They want to run the football. You talked to both coaching staff. Jamias Williams, the former Gamecock, looked really, really good for them. Tucker Gregg, they got a couple of Dope Walker Award preseason watch list guys. Really, really good players, and that's their bread and butter is running the football. But I thought the Gamecocks defensive line, which Shane Beamer talked all preseason about those tackles being the strength of the football team, I thought they took over as the game went along, just their size, their physicality. I thought the linebackers were flying around Mo Cava, Brad Johnson, Debo Williams. I thought the secondary, just kind of a ho-hum game. You know what I mean? I know Granger yeah. wasn't exactly a, you know, he wasn't a, a Peyton Manning back there, but 
the secondary did what we saw them do all last year, led by Cam Smith, Darius Rush, Marcellus Style. Just as a whole, what you saw from the Gamecocks defense. And I'm curious, uh, were you able to have any conversations with the defensive staff of what their plan was in regards to attacking Georgia State? Because we all know that South Carolina's issue defensively last year, it was stopping the run. Yeah. And I feel like while the statistics maybe were a little bit skewed, they did a pretty good job, I think, as a whole, holding up against that Georgia State rushing attack. Yeah, I, I don't know if people weren't aware of what Georgia State's been the last three years. Uh, they probably discounted the effort of the defense, but this is one of the top rushing attacks in all of FBS over the last couple of years. I think they were six in the country mm-hmm. last year um, after putting up a, a ton of yards on the ground with three other top rushers returning this year. One of those guys being Darren Granger, as you mentioned. And when we talked to to uh, the, the offensive coordinator, Trent McKnight, early in the week for Georgia State, he felt like their advantage was using tempo, going fast, and executing really well. And, and they, they they had South Carolina off balance on that first drive. Mm-hmm. Jamias Williams, as you mentioned, hit that long run. Uh, South Carolina's defense looked like they were on their heels, but multiple times, really held up well down in the red zone, uh, which I thought was a, a testament to Clayton White's uh, coaching staff to, to be able to to get back on track after giving up good plays. But I, even though, you know, you, they went from what, 2020, I think they gave up 195 yards on the ground last mm-hmm. year, down to 175 yards, still not enough uh, improvement for the, the fans. But you give up over 200, but that's good given what these guys do and the, and the challenge that they, they create. The passing game was very limited, so that was one of the things they wanted to do was kind of force Granger to have to throw the ball a little bit more. Uh, third down, every time you looked at the, the the third down opportunities for Georgia State, it was third and long, particularly in the second half, so you're winning on first and second down, making them do something that they're not comfortable doing and having to throw the ball a little bit more. So I, I thought the defensive effort, that the reason they won the game was the defense. All right. All those special team plays happened because the defense got stops. You know, they were able to to put themselves in positions to make plays. You can win games playing with two of the three phases really well. And I thought they did that on defense and special teams on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of special teams, you could say that we're saving the best for last when we're talking Beamer ball. Hey, it was a great yeah. night for the brand, by the way. Appreciate the ESPN boys in the truck getting the Beamer ball towels on the uh, telecast. I, I really appreciate that. Um, but no, it was a fantastic night for special teams. Shane Beamer, Pete Limbo. I, I've been preaching forever. I mean, obviously, you know, we 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 tout the Beamer ball thing, and I have to remind people that hey, Beamer ball is special teams. Yeah. You know, many folks don't want to talk about punting and kicking, but the way it can change a football game, especially for a team like South Carolina that's going to navigate through this SEC schedule. They're going to be an underdog a lot. You know how you can pull upsets. You can win some games you're not supposed to. Like you mentioned, if you can steal that facet of the game, all of a sudden you put yourself in a really, really good position. And certainly that changed the football game undoubtedly on Saturday night. It, it did, man. And and, and I, I it, it really respect the emphasis that he and his coaching staff put on playing great special teams. And it it obviously runs in the family. It was so ironic because we had Frank Beamer up in the booth with us doing an interview right at the time they run that (laughs) fake field goal, the first big special teams play of the day that, that converts and gives them an opportunity to score their first touchdown. And he looks over at us, he goes, Beamer ball. It was awesome, (laughs) man. It could have been more, more well scripted Uh... and having him there for that. But, just to uh, to be as aggressive as they were, you know, going after punts and, and being able to get two of them and scooping and scoring. Uh, I thought, you know, Mitch Jeter for his first two field goal attempts of his career to hit two 50 plus field goal attempts. And then the what the 73 yard punt that certainly flipped the field. I, I just you can't say enough about 
Pete Limbo, as you talked about, we we talked to him on Friday too. Just what a what a what a neat guy, uh, a, a guy that 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 teaches through <clears throat> history lessons, teaches through uh, pop culture, the movie references. I mean that that's it, a coach is a is a glorified teacher, right? It's about yeah. getting your kids' attention, keeping them interested in something, and being able to to have them remember, recall in the right situations. And I thought. You know, the emphasis of the special teams, the way they go about teaching, it, it just really is a, a unique – you don't see that everywhere. And, and so it, it made a difference in the ballgame because yeah. offensively they did not do enough. I mean, they, they were fortunate to be able to get 14 points or even, you know, add those two field goals, 20 points because of special teams play. Mm. Now, Chris, again, you mentioned Frank Beamer, and I want to give you the floor, obviously, to speak on Frank and Shane Beamer, just the family. And obviously, we, we love Shane, uh, Gamecock fans. Yeah. I mean, he 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 can do no wrong, right? And I feel like he's done all the right things when it comes to – I mean, you look at just all the, the preseason height, the momentum, you know, making the splash of the portal, bringing in Spencer Rattler, and then you look at what they're doing in recruiting. And I know we talked a little bit on it last year, but now that he has a year under his belt, and again, you're, Shane's someone you've been able to talk to. You're just yeah. overall impressions, the job he's done to this point – because again, I didn't get to talk to you after year one was concluded. Just your thoughts on the job he's done to this point and the trajectory of Gamecocks football and his leadership. Because I was just thinking this as you were speaking and looking at the Florida jerseys behind you. And it's, you know, it, it is so competitive. And there's so many schools that feel like, you know, their guy is the guy. And there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of superstar coaches in this league. And so fans of all fan bases, right? have to be patient. Not everybody's going to be Alabama. Most likely nobody else is going to be Alabama. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a unique one-off case. But when you look at Shane Beamer and his trajectory at South Carolina, what do you see and what do you like about him? First and foremost, full disclosure, I am very biased because I like him an awful lot, you know, as a person. Right. And uh, in fact, got to know him a lot over the last year. We honored him uh, with the, the Steve Spurrier first year coach of the year award. Mm -hmm. He was a co-recipient with Josh Heupel. And so, um, just can't say enough about the person he, he is. I think outside of this area, there were a lot of people curious about why would you hire a guy that's never been a head coach or a coordinator for that matter. And I think you understand now, you know, there, there were a lot of people that knew Shane Beamer that knew the fit, knew that he understood the culture of that part of the, the country. And so I think that's what you've seen in college football. Now, Sam Pittman, kind of the same thing at Arkansas, maybe not necessarily, you know, this uh, this head coach that has a great resume, but somebody that, that fits well in that school, in that part of the state, in that part of the country. And so I, I love what Coach Beamer has done already here. Um, you look at what he did last year. To win seven games with four different quarterbacks, uh, to, to deal with the adversity that he dealt with last year, I just think it speaks to, to him. And I know people were all over uh, Marcus Satterfield last year, but I, I, I think very highly of him as well. And, and what he, I thought, what he did last year actually speaks to what a good coach he is to find a way to, to overcome the deficiencies they had, particularly at the quarterback and offensive line positions mm. really to me is a plus in his, in that category. So mm. I, uh, I'm really excited about the future. As you mentioned, you know, the timing's not great because I, I think you're seeing Tennessee with some resurgence. You're seeing Florida with some resurgence, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I really think that there is a, an excitement that has people wanting to be a part of, of what Coach Beamer is building there. And if you can have a little success with Spencer Rattler, I, I think it's so important. It got everybody's attention that he went to South Carolina. But if he can go there and win ball games and, and raise his visibility nationally, I think it's only going to help the uh, South Carolina program in the future too. Yeah, Chris, I definitely think it changes the – 
the the overall the way the quarterback position at South Carolina is viewed. I mean, we're talking about a program that has not had a quarterback draft. I'm not sure if you knew this since 1990 when mm-hmm. Todd Ellis was selected. So it's been quite a while. I think Spencer Rattler is going to change that. You mentioned Sam Pittman, Chris. Let's look ahead to this weekend. Obviously, week two in the SEC, a big one in Fayetteville as the Gamecocks travel to Arkansas. Fair or unfair, many fans have labeled this as the biggest game of the season for South Carolina. I have not, but I can see where they're coming from in regards to a swing game. If you're going to overachieve, maybe win eight games or so this season, that game in Arkansas is a big one where you could spring an upset. Obviously, the Hogs feel great about their program. Big one over Cincinnati in week one, what they did last year, overachieving. Again, the Gamecocks are, I think, trying to be this year's Arkansas, if you will. The challenge I see yet again, and we'll talk more about it later in the week on our show, but the line of scrimmage. Arkansas yeah. is a team that returned four or five starters up front. It's a Sam Pittman coach club, which is a lot like Sean Elliott. They want to be physical. Mm-hmm. They want to beat you at the point of attack. Obviously, they got a lot of talent returning on both sides. K.J. Jefferson is thought of by some to be maybe the best quarterback in the SEC. Uh, going to be a challenge for the Gamecocks defensively. J- just talk about how you view that ball game and what type of shot you give South Carolina going on the road to spring the upset. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a lot to say this is a must-win game in Week 2. You know, Obviously, it's an opportunity, as you said, to – to win the first conference game of the season to maybe steal one. I, I was of the mindset that I thought Arkansas may take a step back this year, given the production that they lost, but looked pretty good in, in a win against Cincinnati on, on Saturday. Um, I, I do. I think it all comes down to the offensive line play for South Carolina. Like we know Barry Odom's defenses are well coached. They're going to be aligned. They're going to play physically. So I, I just, I don't know unless there's a market improvement from what I saw on Saturday night. I, I don't necessarily know that they're going to to be able to win unless they get the same kind of production in the special teams of defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do have faith that they're going to be able to go back and tweak some things and maybe put Spencer Rattler in some different positions and, and maybe help out the offensive line a little bit. But until I see it, I'm going to be really skeptical of, of what that line is going to be able to do because everybody we talked to said, Hey, we get all five guys back. They've seen everything. They should play better. But I didn't see it on Saturday night. I didn't either. <laughs> None of us did. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was the that was the problem area for sure. Uh, looking at year two as a whole, Chris, your expectations for Gamecocks football when you came into this season. Obviously, you were at SEC Media Days, and I tell you, I was I was very impressed with the amount of hype that South Carolina got at SEC Media Days. I mean, your buddies Jordan Rogers and Tim Tebow all hyping up Spencer Rattler as maybe yeah. the, the second or third best gunslinger in the league, and and I mean, there was a lot of positive buzz and energy and excitement around this program. But again, so many, so many, you know, mentioned that, you know, the schedule's gotten tougher. The SEC is getting better and better and better. Every school feels like they have the guy, you know, you trade out Auburn for a road trip to Arkansas. Florida's much improved. Obviously, many fans were kicking that in as a W. And I said, no, no, no. I think the Gators probably still have talent. Well, now you see they do. Um, You still got to play Georgia, A&M, Clemson. So that six to eight win range is where most have fallen. Seven and five has kind of felt like the default prediction. What's your overall projections and predictions were for South Carolina? What do you think a successful year two would be? Because I'm sure you'd agree, you know, this early on, it's all about winning ballgames, sure, but it's also just about building, recruiting. It's still so early on in this thing. It is. You know, I think looking at the schedule, I, I felt like they were a seven-win team this year, which would be a, a game improvement from where they were in the regular season last year. I honestly believe that they could be a much better team this year. The program could be in much better shape and it not reflect necessarily in the wins. Um, so it, it's, it's, it is, man. It's just such a competitive league. And, and you never know 
Um, the the overall cumulative effect of playing in this conference, the physical and the mental beatdown, even when I was in the league, and it, it's probably 10 times more challenging now. Um, so I, I just I think it's going to be a test of the depth that, that South Carolina has. Um, they're going to be counting, already counting on some young guys in the secondary, but I think they're going to have to have some young guys step up and, and be ready to go should somebody go down, but certainly to provide some of that depth that you need. But I honestly believe seven and five is kind of where I have South Carolina finishing this year so far. Chris Doring of SEC Network. Chris, before I get you out of here, one last question. Again, you were on the call yet again for the second straight year for South Carolina season opener. And of course, you call games, I guess, what, on a weekly basis? You have a game each week? I actually, no? I never, yeah, I rarely get out of the studio anymore. This is okay. my eighth season with ESPN, the SEC Network, and uh, I've been primarily uh, the studio. But it is fun to get out, especially to an environment like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I do think it's, I don't think it's coincidental because our studios are in Charlotte and, mm-hmm. and you know, it's a short drive down yeah. there. So I was going to ask those. you, what's your, what's your favorite part of calling a game then? I think it's just the environment, man. Yeah. You go in the SEC, and I think that's what I've, I've come to appreciate the most. Obviously, playing in this league, I, uh, watching as a kid in this league, you, you see all these great players coming through and the, the level of talent's only increased over the years. But I think getting to know the people, first and foremost, at every school is, has been really fun for me. But getting to know and experience the the traditions, you know, the things that make each school special and embracing those and seeing them in person really means a lot to me. And obviously, you know, South Carolina has some of the, the best traditions on game day and really the environment. I always said this, even as a player, it was one of the, the most electric places to go. They might may not have been the best teams, but in terms of an environment that I love to go play in, it was what South Carolina presented. Mm-hmm. Chris Doring of SEC Network. Chris, man, again, appreciate you taking the time. Let's definitely do this again soon. I know we did this about a year to the date. I think getting you back on for Florida week might be a yeah. good idea. We could Let's talk a little it. Gamecocks and Gators and uh, really excited for that one down in the swamp. My, oh, my, how much differently things might look about eight weeks or so further into the season. But Chris Doring does an incredible job. Chris, appreciate you taking the time, man. We'll definitely do it again soon for sure. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having me, bud. Absolutely. He's Chris Storing. I'm Chris Stoltz. We appreciate you guys tuning in. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of the Spurs Up Show.